do that if, if, he would have, if he would have been successful, the church never would have happened. He was trying to abort the early church from out of the womb of God's heart. He was trying to kill Christians. Everybody who loved Jesus, he would go to you. Hey, he was the one when the first martyr, Stephen, was killed. He was saying, hey, they're going to kill him. Let me hold your jackets so you can get a good throw on him. That was him. And so when Paul says, you want to talk about your past, I had to let all that stuff go in order for God to use me. He said of his past in this, Galatians 1.13, you know what I was like. You know my, you read Facebook, you read Instagram, you read the county journal, you read it all. You know what I went through and then what he says, this is what I used to do, how I violently persecuted God's church and I did my best to set it back. Nope. I did my best to, to put a monkey wrench into the thing. Nope. Paul says, I did my best to abort it. To destroy it. To kill it. So there was not one stone left on top of another. That was Paul's vision. I want to kill the church. You realize that if he would have been successful, the church never would have happened. You want to talk about some rotten people in history? Put up Hitler, Saddam, Putin, you name them all. What a crime it would have been if the church would have been withheld from the world. Think of every school that wouldn't have opened up, every hospital that wouldn't have opened up, every orphan that would have went through life without a parent. Church, this world would have went to uh, this, this world would have went to seed if it wouldn't have been for the church. The church has made a difference. Hospitals wouldn't have been opened. Have you ever went to a St. John's or a St. Somebody hospital? They started with the church. And Paul was saying, hey, I did my best to take that, to abort that out of the world. And guess what? God forgave me and God used me. I'm going to not beat myself up over what I did in the past to destroy the church. He's not ashamed of you. He loves you. And he's saying, leave the past behind so I can do something with you now. In fact, church, this is what I believe with all my heart. God's more concerned about doing something new in you than what you used to do without him. He's interested in doing something with you. So look ahead, not behind. In another place, Paul says, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Again, if he would have, had, if he would have been successful, we would not be seat, uh, seated in this room. Church, when Paul met Jesus, he had to leave behind his past. On some circles, you've got to understand, Saul, the, 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 uh, the Pharisee Saul, there were some people who, who, had a, who really exalted Saul. Oh, he's a really good Jew. He's a really good leader. He's, he's, trying to keep the, he's trying to keep the synagogue pure. There were some people who thought he was awesome. And then there was these poor Christians who were crying over a dead dad or a dead mom or a dead kid or being evicted from their house who thought that he was the worst thing ever. And Paul was saying... I got to leave all that mess behind because I'm not worried about what others are thinking of me. What I want to know is what the heart of God says about me. And in order for Paulie to do that, he had to leave behind the past and go forward. Church, he wasn't the first one to have to leave something behind. Moses left Pharaoh's palace so he could go to the valley and the mountain. We, we've went through those things. Church, when you get saved, 
When you get saved, when you're born again, when you forgive, uh, when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and you profess him as Lord, you give him your life, you begin walking a new life. You leave one camp, the devil's camp, and go into the Lord's camp. You go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We are saved and to, to no longer identify with the devil, but to identify with Jesus, the Savior of the world. We change camps. We change teams. We change affiliations. We change loyalty. In other words, church, if we don't denounce our old identity, our old life, if we don't denounce these things and put them to the side, we're saying, Lord, I want to profess you, but I don't want to possess you. Oh, I believe you're God. I believe you're Lord. I believe you're Savior of the world. But keep your hands off my life. There's a difference between professing and possessing. Forgetting your past releases your future. Takes the lock off the door. And enables you to move forward. And y'all, all of our past mistakes, all of our past sins and our failures are, chain, are links in a chain that keep us bound to our past. I read a story. Several years ago, there were these three dolphins. Uh, they, were, they were trained dolphins. They were in a feeding pen. And every day when they were in Key Largo at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 4 p.m., they would all gather together and all the tourists would gather and throw them fish and bread and puppy chow and things like that. And that's how these dolphins survived inside this feeding tank. Well, there was a hurricane. They got out. And, boy, you would think that they would head out like free willy, you know, free ocean. Here we go. But they didn't. They went like 55 miles down the coast uh, to a bay. A bay. It looked like uh, Cayenne, but that's not the way they pronounce it. Uh, but they, they went to a little lagoon there. Okay, millions of miles of ocean, hundreds of uh, hundreds of thousands of square miles of ocean. They go 55 miles into a lagoon, and this is what these three dolphins did every day at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 4 p.m. They would get them up and say, "Hey, feed me." And guess what? The tourists did. They fed them. The uh, people in the boat, they'd get close and they'd feed them. These dolphins are meant to be out in the ocean. They could have went to the Gulf of Mexico. They, they could have went to the Caribbean. They could have uh, swam up the East Coast. They could have went out to the middle of the Atlantic. They could have done anything they wanted. But instead, instead of embracing their freedom and their liberation, instead of uh, uh, embracing being free from the, the chains of their feeding pen, although they were free, they acted like they were still in captivity church listen to me jesus has released you he's taken you out of the feeding pen he's taken you from the enemy's camp he's taken the chains off your spiritual heart he's taken the blind the blinders off of the eyes of your heart he's removed your sin blotted it away taken it away forgiven and forgotten about it why in the world do we act like we're still in the feeding pen coming up for a little treat at 10, 2, and 4. Church, Jesus has said, you don't have to go back to where I've released you from. You've got this brand new life. Seize it. Why do we act like we're still in bondage? Church, Galatians 5.1 says this. Christ has set us free so we can live what kind of a life? Why do we go back to the cage of yesterday? Why do we go back to the cage of our failures? Why do we go back to the cage of our iniquity? Why do we go back to the cage of our pain? Why do we go back to the cage of our shame and embarrassment? Why do we go back to the cage of our hurt? I don't know. But I'm like you. I wind up back in that gum cage all the time. 
I'll go back to yesterday. I'll go back to the past mistakes. I'll go back to the feeding cage. And here's the thing. The Word of God says, a guy, a Christ has set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anyone put the harness of slavery on you. Don't let anyone put you back in the feeding cage. Jesus has forgiven and forgotten it, released us from it. We are free and free indeed because we're in Jesus. But yet we act like we have a 20-pound weight on both of our feet because of the shame and the hurt and brokenness of yesterday. And all the time God's saying, dude, it's gone. Or do that. They're gone. They're no longer holding you down. So we look, we, we stop looking at the past and we move forward. What do we look forward to? Well, I want to bring this verse to your attention. Lamentations 3, 22, 24. I'm sure all of you did Bible studies today in the book of Lamentations. The faithful love of the Lord never what? When does it stop? When does God's love stop for you and me? When does God's love for you and me stop? Never. Even when you don't feel like it, God's word says, I promise you, I will never stop loving you. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh. Each what? If you want to know what you're looking forward to, when you leave the past behind and move forward, what you're looking for and what you're looking forward to is God's mercy. Because that's where it's found. It's not found in the past. It's found as you move forward. There's forgiveness of the past. There's redemption of the past. There is, there is blotting out of the past so you can move forward into your destiny. The Bible promise, that Bible promise only works. If we are new creations who are in the process of renewing our minds, the Bible promise only works if we've left the past and we're moving forward. Church, if you keep living in your old ways, we keep living in our old stuff, we're not going to be able to partake of the newness that God has for us. Because, you see, when we're in the past, it's hard to get to the mercies of God that are fresh every morning. We can't move forward while we're holding on to that past Matthew chapter 9 verse 17 says, No one puts a new wineskin into old wineskins. For the old wineskins were burst from the pressure spilling the wine and ruining the skins. Now a little bit about the winemaking process. They would add sugar to, uh, they would add uh, yeast to the, uh, the grape juice. And the yeast would feed on the sugar releasing uh, alcohol bubbles and things like that. Uh, and what would happen was, what would happen is as that uh, grape juice uh, ferments, it expands. And if they had a new skin that had elasticity to it, it would ex that, that new wine skin would, it would expand with the new wine as it lets off the gas. But that goat wine skin, uh, that, that old goat wine skin, when it got to a certain point, it had been, it had been stretched out to, to its max. You go to put new wine in an old wine skin that has lost its elasticity, it'll pop like a balloon and all the wine will be lost. And so what Jesus was saying is put new wine into new wineskin, not the old stuff. Put it in the new because it can hold it. If, it. if it's not new, it won't contain what's being poured into it. Okay, church, you guys are not seminarians, most of you. But 
I want you to know this is a very this is this is the concept, the epitome of what I'm talking about today. We try to bring Jesus into our old life and we expect him to do something new. And Jesus is telling us, until you do something new in your life, leave the old and allow me to have room in your life to move, to expand, to, to make your heart bigger, to make your forgiveness larger, to 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 do something new in your life. You're going to have to have a new skin. We try to put Jesus into the old skin. No wonder our lives are all jacked up. We try to bring Jesus into our sinful life. Honey, that's never worked. Because as soon as Jesus comes in, he starts knocking over tables. Cleaning out closets. Gets out a mop and a, and, and a bucket and starts cleaning my mind. He's saying, I'm not going to stay here. In an old wineskin, I can't move. I can't do anything unless you let me have full access to your life. Church, God says he will be merciful to our unrighteousness and our sins and our lawless deeds. And he will remember no more. Hebrews 10, 17, 18. I love this. He adds, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Church, to me, that I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. That's what God's telling you today. All that crap that you keep bringing up and you beat yourself up over and you think you're a rotten person over, whether it's a divorce, a DUI, whether you got caught shoplifting, whether you cheated on your husband or your spouse, whether you were a horrible mother or father, all these things that we beat, up our, we beat ourselves up for on a continual basis, what God is telling us is this. We know those things. We're saying what God is saying. You know what? Yep, they are, but they've been removed. Let's go on. Let's stop beating ourselves up. Let's stop, let's, stop, uh, let, let's stop belittling ourselves. And God's saying, hey, man, I've removed your sin. I don't remember it. It's off the record. It's totally gone. It's been forgiven. And I will never again remember their sins. Church, if God says he will never again do something, you can take that to the bank. He says, I'm never going to again bring it up. Remember those people who bring up all of our past mistakes? Oh, remember when you did that when you were seven? Do you remember when you did that when you were 21? Do you remember when you did that when you were 34? Do you remember when you did that when you were 47? God will not do that to you. He's forgiven those things, and apparently the Word of God says, I won't bring them up no more. You don't need to move in. Um, uh, uh, you need to move in line with His grace and allowing Him to, uh, to, to creep into your, your heart, your body today. Remove the hurt and the pain of the failure. God says he will be merciful to our unrighteousness. Church, God forgives and he forgets. Forgive and forget. Church, say forgive and forget. I want you to understand something. We can't do that stuff, but God does. We can't do that, but God does. And here's the thing, church. If God remembers your sin and my sin, it's probably not really forgiveness. If he remembers it, it's really not forgiveness. He says, dude, I've wiped it out. I've blotted it out. It ain't, even, it ain't even there no more. If he remembered the sin, would it really be forgiveness? Church, forgiving has to do with forgetting. Forgiving has to do with forgetting. Forgiving has to do with forgetting. If you can't forgive them, then it's going to be really hard to forget your past. And we're talking about walking away from the past. If we can't let those people go who have hurt us in our past, it's going to be really hard to move forward. And that's the forgetful part of forgiveness. You just have to move on. 
Forgetting and forgiveness go hand in glove. And by the way, it's not, I don't know about you, but it's not always about forgiving other people. Lots of times, I just got to forgive myself. Ain't nobody in this whole world harder on Mike than Mike. And I'd probably say that there's nobody harder in the world on Jared than Jared. Nobody harder on the world on Allison than Allison. We are our worst critic. We are the one who tears ourselves down oftentimes. And as a true believer, sometimes we just have to forget ourselves, uh, forgive ourselves. Forgiving and forgetting positions us for something incredible. It positions us to be in a place where God's mercies can fall in our life. His mercies are new every morning. When we can walk away from our past, now we're in a position where God's mercies can fall fresh on us anew. We're in a position now where God can continue to move in our life. I want you to listen to these words from the book of Matthew. He said to his disciples, y'all, hard trials and temptations are bound to come, but too bad for whoever brings them on. Better to wear a millstone necklace and take a swim in the deep blue sea than give even one of these dear little ones a hard time. Be alert. If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. If he responds, what do you do? You, oh, the text isn't up there. Oh, okay. I don't know what I'm looking at you for like you ought to know it. All right. Uh, uh, be alert. If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. If he responds, these are the next two words. Forgive him. If he straightens up or she straightens up, forgive him. Even if it's personal against you, and they do it time and time again, seven times, seven through the day, and seven times he says, oh, I'm sorry, my bad, I won't do it again. The master tells us, forgive him every time. I don't know about you, but I just assume that passage not been left in the Bible. I just wish that would have fell onto the cutting room floor. Edit it out. But it isn't. So I'm left with, Forgive them as often as they ask. But I don't really want to. Because it hurt me bad. Because it hurt my soul, hurt my heart. I'd rather just be angry. I'd rather be ticked off. I'd rather keep my distance. Even if it's personal against you and repeated seven times throughout the day and seven times that person says, I'm sorry, Jesus tells us, forgive him. There's a, the last verse in that passage is this. The disciples came to him. Jesus is telling us to his disciples. If, if I, his disciples had the exact same response, I think that most of us would have had when he says, forgive people who hurt you. They said, Lord, give us, give us faith. Because they knew that there was no way they could forgive people in their own flesh. There was no way they could forgive them in their own strength. There's no way they could let them go in their own power. So they were saying, hey, we hear what you're saying. We get it. We understand it. We don't like it. So you're going to have to give us some faith to do it because we don't have the faith to do it on our own. Church, you might really be struggling with somebody who hurt you. It might have been in your past. It might have been sexual abuse. It might have been verbal abuse, physical abuse. Maybe you suffered uh, spiritual abuse at the hands of, of, of somebody in your life. This is what the Bible tells us about that. 
We do not let these things consume us and make us hate and make us wander away from God. There has to come a point where we put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants and we say this. I'm not going to let you take up space in my mind rent free. I'm going to let you go simply by forgiving. Church, when we forgive, it's not to let them off the hook. It's to let us off the hook. We let it go. That person does not, the person who hurts you does not deserve to reside in your mind. Let him go. You want to talk about freeing up some energy and some space and some time in your mind and your life? Let it go. When you don't forgive, church, you're living in the past and you block the power of God from operating in your life. Not forgiving means you're dwelling firmly in the past. Now, forgiving means, uh, not forgiving means that you keep bringing it up. Man, if you haven't forgot about a particular offense, if you haven't forgot about it, you probably ain't all the way done forgiving. And sometimes that's forgiving yourself. Now, here's the thing, man. How do we forgive people? I mean, how is that forgiveness supposed to look? Let me help you. How has God forgiven you and me? Has he forgiven us of all of our sins? Is there one sin that he hasn't forgiven? Is there one sin still on the books? Did you have to beg God to forgive you? Did you have to beg God to forgive you of your sin? Did you have to make a bargain with somebody when you forgive? When, when, when you, you know, you do this for me and I'll do that for you. You didn't have to do that. Not with God. Man, when we're forgiven by God, we're forgiven of everything. And we're just assuming that the word of God is true when he promises that I'm not going to remember it no more. That's how thoroughly we've been forgiven. Now, here's the kicker. And man, what a kicker. In a few weeks, we're going to be going to Dolphin Island for vacation. And I love walking on the beach, man. It's one time in my life I will walk without shoes on, okay? And so I'm out there with my Fred Flintstonian Sasquatchian feet. And I love... I love putting my, 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 my ugly toe prints inside the sand. And I like to look back. I don't know if Miss Pam knows this. Because I like to walk a straight line. This is probably some OCD stuff going on. But I like to, to walk a straight line. I like to see that little path. But what I've noticed, whatever path, or I, no matter how hard I try to walk straight, there's always crooked parts in my walk. Sometimes my foot gets all hair lifted. I'm not making a straight path. It's not all pretty perfect, like, it, like a Hallmark postcard, you know. And sometimes it looks like I've just went off the rails. I, you know, I got sidetracked with my ADD, looked over here to a shell, and there's a squirrel and things like that. I'm all over the beach. And I look back and I said, man, I really wanted to make a straight line. Didn't happen that way. And this is the cool thing. We'll go in and we'll have supper and go to bed. The next, the, the next morning I wake up, the tide has come in. And those thousands of footprints that went crooked and went off the path, you know how many of those I can find? None. I can't find one time where I went off track. I can't find one time where my foot went crooked. I can't find one time where I got sidetracked and started looking something else. Those waves came in and removed all the evidence. I'm going to put this verse in your, in your spirit. Isaiah 43 verse 25. I, yes I alone, will blot out your sins 
because you're a good person, Mike. God says, I want to blot out your sins because you're a Baptist. Bill doesn't say that. I'm going to blot out your sin because you're a Republican. I'm going to blot out your sin because you're a Democrat. I'm going to block out your, your sin because you're a Catholic. No. I'm going to blot out your sin because you've tried real hard. I'm going to blot out your sin because you're a good moral person. I'm going to blot out your sin because you give to the poor. Uh-uh. The Bible tells us this. The reason why we are loved by God and our sins are forgiven is this. He says, I will forgive them of their sin because I am God. It's not based on you or me. It's based on Him. Man, if you're trying to be good enough to be loved by God, brother, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you. You can't do it. And sister, maybe you're trying to do the same thing. You can't do it either. God said, if there's any love going on or any forgiveness going on, it's because I got it going on. I will blot it out for my sake. And here, let, me, let me give the rest of the promise. Let me give the, le- the rest of the promise. He says, I will remember them. How often? Go back to that, uh, go back to that verse, Russ. How often does he going to remember your sin? He cannot bring the footprints back on the sand after they have been washed out. The crooked mess. The sideway gallivant. It's gone. Church, God forgives us our sin for his benefit. And church, I believe that when we forgive other people, we don't do it to let them off, uh, off the hook. We do it so we'll be free. We're benefited from it. We enjoy something from it. And church, when you do decide to forgive someone, you're not doing them a favor, man. You're doing you a favor. And at times it means forgiving and forgetting your failures, things you did wrong. This is what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm almost done, guys. This is the last page. Stay with me. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. This, this is the Apostle Paul. Same guy wrote the passage we started the service with. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to do what to the name of Christ? Even though I used to say horrible things about Jesus. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. I tried to kill the church. I tried to stop the gospel message from getting out. But what does Paul say? But God had mercy. Thank God he got out of the past and got into the mercy. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and oh, how gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And baby boy, you better believe it. I'm the worst of them all. Go to the rest of that verse. But God had mercy on me. Brother Mike, I'm divorced. Brother Mike, I'm a cheater. Brother Mike, I've got things in my past that would make the most hardened criminals curls, uh, toes curl. Mike, I've done horrible things. I'm going to get real with you. Everybody has. Whether we thought about them or whether we followed through with the thought and made it into an action. Man, we all got stuff in our head that just kind of keeps us from fully going into the mercies of God. 
but I want you to know that the same God who transforms Saul into Paul will transform your life if you can forget your past, whether a hurt you did or a hurt somebody did to you. Ephesians 4.32, and this is the last text. Well, if we ain't going to be hating on each other, how we, what are we supposed to do? Instead, let it be hating. Try being kind to one another. Try being tenderhearted to one another. Try forgiving one another. Well, how, how much do I need to forgive and preach? How much do I need to forgive and pastor? Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I mean, it's just assume that verse not showing up. Y'all, we, we got to forgive others and we also got to forgive ourselves. Ask for forgiveness of the sin. Confess it. And I'm going to encourage you, and it's just not Brother Mike encouraging you, it's the Word of God encouraging you. Forget about the terrible things of your past. Or Brother Mike, you're telling me to ignore it, to deny it. No, I'm not. It happened, and I'm sorry. I wish I could change it, but I can't. But what I can tell you is this. That does not have to keep you in slavery and bondage forever. Jesus has taken the key, taken off the chain. It's up to you to move forward. So I'm encouraging you, man, forgive yourself for your sin. Man, you might want to try forgiving other people of things they've done uh, that hurt you. And the reason I say that is because, praise God, I hope you understand and you've experienced the forgiveness God's given you. You're free. Your past is no longer held against you. Your sin, man, you've been released from the sin and the guilt and the condemnation of sin. Preach, what's that mean? It means you don't have to go to hell when you die for the things you did wrong because they've been brought under the blood of Jesus. You're free. Stop going back to the stupid feeding pen at 10, 2, and 4. You're no longer captive. The chains are gone. And the only one that puts them back on ourselves is us. Jesus is saying, I'm not taking them away. Why are you going back? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. This tub begins to come up. I'm going to go into the invitation. You know, man, today I, I, I give you some real specific ways to go into a new level of favor, to go into a new level of blessing, a deeper level of relationship with God because it talks about learning to forgive others and learning to forgive ourselves. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Man, if you're here today and God saved you, I'm so glad you're here. And Today, if you're sitting here, man, preach. And maybe you're saying, preach, I want some of that forgiveness. I need that. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now, at this very moment, to give your life to Jesus, to ask for forgiveness of your sin. To surrender to. And today, if, if you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior and your Lord and your Redeemer and your ransom payer, I want you to pray with me right now because I want you to get your heart right with God before we go further. I'm a sinner, Lord. And I need forgiveness of your I need forgiveness of sin. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and you rose again. I believe that you're God in the flesh and you died on Calvary in my place.
Forgive me, Lord. Give me a bright future. A full and meaningful life right now. Thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you for the pardon that comes through the blood. Thank you, Jesus. I'm yours and you're mine. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Man, if you said that prayer today for the first time, welcome to God's family. It's not hard to do because the work was already, Jesus already did the heavy lifting for us. The Bible says, for you're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Now let's break free. Now let's break free. Let's break free from our past. Let's break free from our past failures, our past mistakes, our past iniquity, our past, uh, our past lacks of judgment. What a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Keep singing that, Chris. Keep singing it.